Well, once again, good morning. We are going to dive into the word and, and dive into our discussion about reaching our city. But um, we're going to pray first. Can we do that? We thank you, Jesus, for your goodness. Thank you for, thank you for your constant watchfulness, constant faithfulness. We ask you, Lord, to come now, Holy Spirit, and help us to receive what you have to say this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. Uh, we've been talking about loving our city, uh, reaching our city. Uh, Pastor Joshua brought up this, this sentence this, that, that's used by uh, a lot of churches now doing similar things to what we're doing, uh, and it's this. We want the whole church um, to, reach the, to take the whole gospel to the whole city. And so as we've been talking about the whole church and what it means to be a church and staying knit together, I want to get one more facet of that. Um, I want to talk specifically about what we mean when we say the whole church. I want to talk about who the church actually is. Um, in Ephesians chapter 4, Paul says this. Uh, he says, he himself, being Christ, of course, gave some to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors and teachers, for the equipping of the saints for the work of the ministry. For the equipping of the saints for the work of the ministry. Now, uh, we recognize uh, uh, that, that list here pertaining especially to people who are called to leadership in the body, to church leadership, to uh, uh, people who specifically, this is their vocation. So I would be one of those people, obviously. So according to what Paul is saying, uh, the equipping the saints, this is my job. The saints to do the work of the ministry. The work of the ministry is our job. You see that? Equipping of the saints, this is what he's called us to do here. Pastor Joshua, Pastor Red, Pastor Jeff, uh, and, and myself and the rest of us. He's called us to equip you as the saints to do the work of the ministry. Now, this might come as a little bit of a surprise to you if you haven't been around us very long. Because here's, well, the, the mantra that Joshua said often is that we're, we're all in full-time ministry. Now, I don't know uh, if this was common when you were growing up, but when we were growing up, I, was, I lived in the, the belt of, of the, the buckle of the, the buckle of the Bible belts, right? I was not only in East Texas, in Tyler, Texas, which is one of the most saturated places of churches. There, was, Tyler, Texas is sm smaller than Eugene. Is, I wasn't going to say anything bad, Janae. Tyler, Texas is... Uh, uh, smaller than Eugene and has 600 churches. Yeah. So, it's a very... <laughs> and, and so if you grow up in that, and especially, like, I was even more a, a part of the Christian culture there because I was in youth with a mission, which is in Tyler, Texas, so now you've got the world's largest missionary agency in this super-saturated place of, uh, of the church. And not only that, I was in the Christian school, the K-12 school that was run by YWAM missionaries. So when you're, when, you're in lots of, when you're in that kind of environment, you start looking at, you know, where am I going? And if I want to do something important, that better be in ministry. And a lot of people growing up in the church think, well, I guess I got to go and do this other thing that I'm going to college for, you know, that I'm really good at. But maybe one day I'll be able to be in ministry. And like what they mean is maybe one day I'll be able to draw a paycheck from the church. But it, it, it's interesting because you're already in ministry if you're a believer. And I want to prove that to you this morning. Um, so what does it mean to do the work of the ministry? It doesn't, we're, we're not just talking about professional clergy. 
Um, if you're a follower of Christ, I think you're called already to do the ministry. Um, we, uh, uh, this is, by the way, a prof- uh, like a real major shift from ancient religions, um, it, it, even in, in the Old Testament, where uh, there was, uh, well, let me, let me show you. Do you remember the scene in, in, uh, in the, the Exodus story? After they've crossed the Red Sea, they get to the other side, and they go to Mount Sinai. And uh, it's, it's just, before the, just before Moses goes up, and fire comes down on the mountain, and there's lightning, and there's thunder, and everybody is collectively uh, uh, just freaking out. It's sort of like, ah, you know, they're looking at this, and their response is this. Moses, you go talk to him. <laughs> We're scared. We're scared to death. You go talk to him. So Moses goes and talks to him. For better or for worse, this was the beginning of a mediator in the worship of Yahweh. This was the beginning of the priesthood, where Moses would go before the Lord, even though obviously Moses' brother Aaron became the actual high priest, and it went down his his lineage. But when Moses or Aaron would go before the Lord, representing them, and and, uh, the common Israelite did not have access to the presence of the Lord, and that's kept in a tent in the, the inner region, and there's a courtyard and everything. And as, as Israel gets more established, this is the way that it is. There is a priest, and the priest works in the temple, and the, 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 only the high priest can even ever fully enter the presence of God, and that's only once a year. It's a, it's a very limited situation uh, uh, where we got to go through somebody. So that, that's ancient religion there. Um, but we today... As Protestants, this is one of the major sticking points of the Protestant Reformation, is this. The priesthood of all believers. Of all believers. This was a a huge, huge change where you no longer needed a mediator. Now, even in Protestant circles, though, sometimes we still sort of revert to this Old Testament paradigm where we think we need someone in ministry in order to access the Lord or in order to do the work of the ministry. But guess what? I'm not your mediator. You can go straight to him. Isn't that a beautiful thing? I am so happy that that's the case. Because I don't want you guys to be calling me 24-7. I need to talk to God. I can go, well, just pray. You can. I'm getting ahead of myself. All right. It's it's an awesome thing. Now, um, this is a, a fantastic quote from the great Tim Keller. If you guys are looking for someone... A, a, a modern Christian thinker who's doing amazing things and has wonderful things to say. Read some Tim Keller. Um, the, the priesthood of all believers means not only that all are now active participants in joyful public worship, but also that they have a priestly calling to do good and share with others. You have a priestly calling. That thing that was once only reserved to the religious elite, the professionals. Now, that's, that's done away with now. You have a priestly calling. Let's unpack this a little bit. See, in the Old Testament, obviously, one of the main things a, a, a priest did was present sacrifices. And, of course, you're talking about animal sacrifices uh, and, and burning incense and these different things. We don't have that anymore. Um, however, uh, we are called to sacrifice uh, as priests. First of all, our first sacrifice to him is that we min- our first sacrifice as priests is we minister to God. Look at this verse here. 
Through him, being Christ, let us continually offer up a sacrifice of praise to God that is the fruit of lips that acknowledge his name. Let us continually offer up praises to God that the fruit of, uh, uh, the fruit of lips that acknowledge his name. There's many points in the New Testament when he comes out and says, you are a kingdom of priests. I have called you a, a, a royal priesthood. And this is one of the things that we do. We offer sacrifices of praise, the fruit of lips. Now think, of, think about that term, the fruit of lips that acknowledges his name. Fruit is something that grows from a root, right? Now get this, you, you, we, we have a root evidently, which is, well, you acknowledge his name, you call on his name. The fruit of knowing him, of knowing Christ, of calling on his name, is that there will be praise to God. That's a sacrifice that priests are to give. That modern day priests, that is, you and I, are to give. You ever thought about this? That part of your role as a Christian is to offer up sacrifices of praise to God. Here's why this is so important. This was, has always been understood. But nowadays, people are so into this idea of authenticity, which we, I think is a huge thing that we need. We have to have authenticity where we're at today. But if authenticity becomes a thing for its own sake, then we look at our circumstance and we go, well, I'm miserable and I'm hurting, so I don't even want to talk to God. Now, it's okay to acknowledge that. In fact, if that's where you're at, you need to acknowledge that. You need to let him meet you right there. But see, here's where it needs to come. It needs to come to a place where it, 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 it's going to be a sacrifice. It's not always going to be easy. When things are good, it's going to be easy. When things are hard, it's not going to be easy. And that's when, that's when praise, that's when the sacrifice of praise becomes sweet incense to the Lord. And I love what Wendy was saying after singing that song this morning. It's not always easy. It's not. But it's a beautiful thing. I want to give an example here, a biblical example of what a sacrifice of praise can actually look like. And that's the prophet Habakkuk, who I'm sure everybody read for their devotionals this morning. <laughs> the prophet Habakkuk. That was a joke because people don't read much of the minor prophets very often. Um, the prophet Habakkuk um, was a, a man who was discussing the, uh, uh, well, his little book is just three short chapters, and it's a theological discussion with God, an argument almost with God. Why do the wicked prosper, and why is there so much suffering in the world? It makes you think, well, that's, wow, that's the same thing that we ask God all the time, huh? In fact, we have a home group right now that Rick Dooley is doing. When bad things happen to good people, Habakkuk could have been in that class. I'm sure he would have contributed greatly to the discussion. So, he asks God these questions, why do bad things happen, and all these things. And, and God says, um, well, basically, it's funny you should bring that up, because um, Judah uh, and Jerusalem is going to be judged. And they're going to be judged by some really wicked people, the Babylonians. And they have, my people have turned against me time and time and time again, and even now, they're not with me, even though... King Josiah had done everything he could to get them to turn, and people like Jeremiah had called out for repentance. They refused to repent and continue to go after Baal and Ashtaroth and Moloch and all these other things, and now they need to be judged. And, and Habakkuk, it's going to be difficult. It's going to be very, very hard. 
So imagine you're the prophet. You've been sitting with God. You're not even talking to other people. You're just talking to the Lord, and you get that word from the Lord that comes clearly. In fact, it says, write the vision down, make it plain. We quote that verse sometimes of like, and when we're excited, hey, let's write the vision, make it plain. Things are going to happen that you will not even believe it's going to be so great. They actually come from this context. It's kind of bad. Things are going to happen. You're not going to believe. It's not like, ah, it's like bad. Bad things are going to happen here. Okay, so that's the word that he gets. Here's what he says. This is the very end of his book. I hear and my body trembles. My lips quiver at the sound. Rottenness enters into my bones. My legs tremble beneath me. Yet I will quietly wait for the day of trouble to come upon people who invade us. Though the fig tree should not blossom, nor the fruit beyond the vines, the produce of the olives fail, and the fields yield no fruit, the flocks will be cut off from the fold, and there will be no herd in the stalls. Yet, I will rejoice in the Lord. I will take joy in the God of my salvation. God, the Lord is my strength. He makes my feet like the deer's. He makes me tread on my high places. I will yet rejoice in the Lord. Friends, that is a sacrifice of praise. It's not always easy. But if he is your God, if Jesus is your Savior, then you are his priest. And as his priest, we have the joy. Is it a responsibility? It is. But it turns into joy when we can come to him and say, Lord, here's where I am, and I hate it. I hate it. Rottenness is entering my bones. This is really hard, and I don't love this. Yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will rejoice in the Lord because you have been good to me. And even though I don't understand it, I'm going to trust you even through this, Lord. That's the duty of a priest. That's the privilege of a priest to minister unto the Lord. You ever thought about that phrase, to minister unto the Lord? You think sometimes the Lord needs ministry? I don't know that he needs it, but I think it's like sweet incense to him. The Lord aches, you know. Do you know he hurts? Because you know when we praise him and draw near to him, that it actually does something to his heart. I believe it warms his heart. He's made himself that vulnerable to us, that we have the ability to wound him and to bring comfort to him, to minister to him. That's the God that we serve. What a privilege we have. You see that? What a privilege we have. We're priests ministering unto the Lord. I think of a wonderful lady that I grew up, uh, uh, well, she was a, uh, she worked in the school that I grew up with, a missionary lady uh, named Claire Betcher, and she contracted cancer when she was uh, maybe 50 years old, maybe not even that old. Um, and she, uh, she was going downhill fast, and she was a saint of the Lord, let me tell you. This woman, uh, in the midst of all that she's going through, the, the whole ministry rallies around her during her last days, and uh, we're, we're surrounding her house and praying where people are going in day and night to be with her. And her brother, after she passed away, told at her funeral how she 
was so, so sick in the end. And she was laying over the sink, and she was vomiting. She had nothing in her. She's vomiting, and she puts her head up, and she says, I love you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus, for who you are. And she goes back. A sacrifice of praise to our God. Thankfully, it's not always that hard. Thankfully, it can become a joy, particularly after we start moving that praise muscle often. Now, what happens, however, if you don't see yourself as a priest? Well, both in private and corporate worship then, you're going to become a consumer and you're going to become an observer. Now, if that happens, this is really a, a, this is really a problem. and it, 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 You'll probably find yourself becoming more, um, more frustrated by what you see around you. Uh, and it can take many different forms. You'll become frustrated maybe that the, the, the right songs aren't being played or, or that you're just not feeling it so the worship must not be anointed. You know, things like that. That's what happens when you become a consumer. Um, thankfully, we're not called to be consumers. See, back in the day, the worship services were elaborate. Um, they, would, they would come to the tabernacle and then later on the temple. And you would have, man, it would be a beautiful day. There'd be sacrifices that were going on and burning. And by the way, that becomes a barbecue. That's a very good smell. <laughs> like, you're like, oh yeah, okay. And then up on the steps, you would have the director. You'd have like Asaph up there. And Asaph has got his hair perfectly parted and he's looking good. And, he's, and, and, and then he's got his hymnal. He's got the, the songs of King David right here. He's ready to go. And he looks out over his choir the sons of Korah as his choir. And he's got his lead vocalist, Heman the Cantor, and they're ready to go. And you're standing out there and you're listening as they sing the songs of the Lord. And it's this beautiful thing that the priests and the Levites are singing. And they were the worship team. Right here, we are the worship team on Sunday morning. You see that? It's not, it's not passive anymore. It's not reserved for those whose job it was to do that. Yes, we have lead worshipers up here because we don't have 250 microphones. And I'm glad we don't have that many microphones because not everybody in here probably wants a microphone or should have one. So we have ways that we facilitate that to happen. But we are the worship team. We are the priests before the Lord. We offer sacrifices to him, our praise. And when we come here, we might not even be feeling it. We might not, not like we're miserable. I gave some examples of being miserable, but you don't have to be miserable for it to be hard sometimes. Sometimes you're like, all right, Lord, I am just tired and super distracted, and I don't, I, I really just am thinking about game seven with the Warriors and the Thunder tomorrow, and I just, <coughs> go Warriors, and um, I really, I, I just can't even, and, and you know what? A sacrifice of praise in that moment becomes this. Hey, just set it down. Set it down. Look at those words. Sing loud. It's just that. Don't become passive. And this is true in our own personal lives too. Come before him. See, the whole privilege of being a priest was you had access to the presence of God. They didn't have that then. We have that now. So now, there's no reason to be passive. We can be active because we're active participants. It's part of our job. What a perk. This is a perk of being a priest before the Lord. You can come into his presence anytime. And then we can all come together because we're a family, not because you need me to pray, because you don't. I'm not a mediator. We're a family now, and we come together, and we rejoice in him together. 
Isn't that cool? Man, I think that's cool. Yes. Number two, the second sacrifice of our priesthood, we minister to those around us. You don't have to be a professional. You don't have to draw your paycheck from a church in order to minister around us. And here's what uh, the next verse in Hebrews says this. Do not neglect doing good and sharing for such sacrifices, God, for with such sacrifices, God is pleased. That word sharing encompasses a whole lot. Com- encompasses speaking. In fact, the King James says communicating. Uh, th- that communicating with one another. Sharing life. Sharing testimonies. Sharing the goodness of God. But sharing our very lives with one another. If you remember Romans 12, uh, uh, verse 1. It says uh, uh, that, that finally, therefore, brethren, present your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and acceptable, which is your reasonable act of service. We give of ourselves to one another. You see, here's kind of a cool little twist in the whole thing. Not only are the, we the priests, we're the sacrifice too. We bring ourselves. See, the great high priest laid himself down as a sacrifice for us. So we do the same thing, except we don't actually literally die. We lay down our ambitions. We lay down our, our, uh, all the things holding us back. We lay down our sins. We lay down all the distractions. And we come and say, Lord, I am your priest. And today I remember that I'm your priest. I give you me. You see, it's stuff like that that for, for some reason so many people think that Christianity is about praying a prayer so you can go to heaven someday. And that there's no actual, like, really engagement of what that means. It's more. It's so much more than that. People shortchange what it means to be a disciple of the Lord. You guys, it's so beautiful to give yourself to him. So that means for the purposes of worship, but also for the purposes of serving one another. Uh, the only way we're going to reach and love our city is if, is if we get this picture, okay? The only way. All of this, remember, is in the context of serving and loving our city. I'm going to tell you this. We cannot do it unless we all see ourselves as priests. That's the only way we're going to reach our city. If we don't, then we've got to... We've, we, we, we've got a church leadership maybe that, that's, that's trying to do a thing, and so we're organizing maybe a Project Hope thing or something over here or something over here. And we, and we do that, and we have specific things we're about. But I'm not sure if you've noticed this. We don't have too many of these big events where we try to get everyone to come to. We do that very sparingly here. We don't have mimes at the park. What? We don't, we don't have... You know why? Because if we become the mediators of the ministry that happens at Christ Center, then we become the bottleneck for what happens. We become the bottleneck for the effectiveness of our tribe. Now, we, we have an important job here, and, and we're, we're hoping to be as strategic as we possibly can, especially in networking with the rest of the body of Christ, that we present ample opportunities to serve. And I would say, I would actually go this far. I would love, here's what we're moving towards. Man, I would love it if every single person that calls Christ Center their home had an area where they regularly served in outside these walls. Wouldn't that be cool? Because I kind of think that's what Jesus was guiding us toward anyway when he talked about serving the least of these, don't you think? Like, who is it that, that, that he's put on your heart? And what can you do? What can we do 
to serve those people. I would love it if every person in this place said, who do you serve? Well, I serve at the mission. Well, who, what, what do you serve? Well, I serve over here, uh, uh, you know, with the, the, the uh, whatever it is, the, the, the kids in school who need help reading, the, whatever those things are, or the drug addicts, or the people down here that are really having a tough time. I work with AA and help these guys and I mentor, or whatever those things are. I think that's where he's taking us. Is that exciting? I think that's super exciting. So we are, we're, we're hoping to get a, a lot of different outlets to invite you to serve alongside of us. But even if, we, even, if, even if we had all of those out here, we would still be shortchanging everybody if we tried to dictate all of the ministry that happens. It would be a terrible idea, and we would, it's just not what we have in mind here. You guys are priests, and you are called to do the work of the ministry. We're all called to do the work of the ministry together. We're all in full-time ministry. So, I can't do the things that you do. I want to sh- assure you of that. I can't do the things that you do. And just think about this first. Think about the variety of giftings that we have. Aren't you so glad that not everyone's like you? Aren't you so glad? Oh my goodness, I'm, I'm so glad on our, on our pastoral team that not everyone's like me. Because guys, oh. I don't know how they put up with one of me, but the, let me give you just, okay, a super practical example. Joshua and I, some people think because we're around the same age, and, uh, uh, you know, some people think we're brothers sometimes. That's why I grew a beard so that people would be like, oh, you're different. Yeah, I'm a different guy. We're different people, actually. Um, but people are like, oh, you guys, you're, you're so much alike. And we're like, <laughs> we're nothing alike. And I'm so glad that we're not. Now, <laughs> yeah, Doug's been outside. He's like only handle one of us, right? So here's let me give you a super basic example. I am terrible at, at working with my hands. I, I break stuff. I don't know how I break. Th- I drop things. Const- I drop things so quickly, and I look around and I'm like, how did I just do that? We're putting together this little lamp. The tree things that are, were up here before that haven't been up here in a while. We're putting these together, and somehow I managed to, to pull one of the things out, and, it just, and then I stand the thing up, and it's leaning, and then the light bulb falls out and shatters. I'm like, and Joshua just starts dying. I'm like, I don't know how I do this. I have a special skill for breaking things. It's just, it's a gift. I can't do any of that. So I, I was always like super like, you know, embarrassed about that. I'm, trying, I'm getting better at not being so embarrassed. And here's one of the reasons I've gotten less embarrassed. Joshua is terrible with computers. Awful. He's awful. He didn't know anything about computers. And so he's like, man, I don't know what the deal is. You know, I'm like, oh, I just can't. My email's not getting in. I'll come and like his Wi-Fi will be turned off. Like, <laughs> he's going to get this podcast probably when he comes back. I love you, buddy. Right? So we, we've actually, he, he, you know, he, and he gets super embarrassed about that. I'm like, dude, don't even be embarrassed. You're talking to a guy who tries to, you know, pull nails out of a board by using a, a, a chop saw. You know, I just, not really, but you understand the point. We need one another. I can't do what you do. You guys have gifts that I don't have. I've only got a handful of things that I can do well, I promise you. The rest I try to stay away. Even with this entire team and the gift sets that we have, and I, I thank God for our team. I think we've got a great team. We can't do the things you do. Do you know that? You could do the things you do. 
So if you have an ability, and, and, and well, it, let, let me show you a couple more. I can't be where you are because there's only one of me. Again, thank God. I don't have the passions that you have. You see, you have different things that light you up. You have different abilities and you have different availability. You have areas where you are, areas where you're good at, and areas where like, I want to see that happen. And I'm, I'm so glad because without those things, without those passions, there's a whole lot that never gets done because we don't even see it. And it's not one of the things that just really lights us up. Teresa Donovan, can you come up here for a second? How many of you guys know Teresa Donovan? Okay. <laughs> Teresa Donovan, I almost don't even want to call you up here because I don't want to encourage you too much in this. <laughs> You're my no man. What's that? You're my no man. Actually, you can just hold this. No, okay. Okay, just be good. <laughs> Teresa. How long have you guys come here? It's like four years? Four oh, years. Four years. Okay, yeah, so going on four years. You, th when they showed up, we were like, whoa, there's this, this big family that came, and it took us a while to get all the names. Now we've got them. We are like, bam, four years later. I could do it really much earlier than that. Teresa and Wayne, you guys have lived a, a pretty crazy life, and you began to take foster kids in and um, adopt them all. And you had, how many did you adopt? We adopted six. Yeah. I have 11 children. You have 11 children. So you adopted six. I do that a lot at my house. Yeah, I know you do. <laughs> so you already have like an immense amount of things that goes on. And when you came here, well, you came here because we had the open heavens room. That was kind of right. the thing that, that drew you in. That was the reason we came. Our ministry to our uh, uh, autistic children and, and you know, kids, kids with, with other, special uh, other special needs. And, and uh, so that's what, that's what drew you in. And as... You have stayed plugged in and the, it, it done more and more stuff. One of the things that you've done is, uh, uh, can you tell us about the thing that you've done on Wednesday nights? Yes. Um, the second Wednesday of the month, we do a special needs um, support group for families. We have them coming from Eugene, Harrisburg, Junction City, um, for families who have kids with special needs and they need support. They need to know that they're loved, that they're not alone. Mm -hmm. Um, where to get um, services, how we can help them through that, and it's grown like crazy. Right. And we're opening up, um, this next month we're opening up to foster parents too. Now, Teresa, do you remember that time when you came and you sat in the office of Joshua and I and Janelle, and we sat for like eight hours straight and mapped out exactly what we wanted you to do? Do you remember that? No. Well, I'm really offended. That was a good day. <laughs> Why don't you remember that, Teresa? Because we didn't do that. Because we didn't do that. No. Wait a minute. You mean, how did that work then? Well, one day Josh stopped me um, as I was walking through the halls, and he says, I think I've heard something in the halls about you doing something with kids at the junior high. And I'm like, well, we've talked about it, but that's the only time I've said anything. And that's like even kind of a different thing. Basically... Yes. We didn't say anything, and this woman, who already has way too much to do in her life, in fact, I feel like it's part of my mission to make sure she doesn't overdo it, because I also love her husband over there, <laughs> right? So this woman just says, we're going to do this thing, because there's a need, and you guys, believe me, that's a need. It's a, it is a major need. And here's this woman who steps up and goes, hey, 
Look at where I am. Here's what I can do. I'm really good at talking and ministering to people. She's got a very pastoral heart, right? I, I know where I can be. I can be here on Wednesday night. In fact, this could even sync up because the kids that come could be a part of the kids' ministry okay. as they're doing home groups. And I have a passion about this thing, about helping parents of special needs kids thrive. Isn't that beautiful? I didn't, none of us said anything to her about this. It was her idea, and she steps up. Do you know why? Because this woman knows that she's a priest of God most high. And I know that each one of you are priests, too. Yes. And we need you. Um, desperately do we need you. This city needs you. Um, I worked at Oakley volunteering um, at, starting in the fall. And it started out as I was the binder fairy. I would come in and help the kids get organized. Can yeah. we call you that now? Sure. Um, so I would come in and get the kids organized and help them. But the story is just sitting with these kids. And I was working with sixth graders. Um, and there's about 130 to 150 sixth graders at Oakley. And they would sit down and they would tell me things like, I slept on a bench last night. Or I don't have a bed at my house. Or my dad wouldn't let me do my homework and I had to sit in the garage. These were the stories that were coming out of these kids. And it was just breaking my heart. Um, a majority of these kids don't have parents at home. They don't have parents that care. Mm -hmm. um, or can't be there for them because both have to work. So they spend their afternoons in the park, which all kinds of things go on in the park. So this is where our heart, my heart started stirring. And there's more people that I know that I've talked to that God has been stirring your heart also. This fall, we want to open up um, an after-school program here at Christ Center where kids can come after school, get tutoring, homework help, loved on, food, a majority of them are not being fed, so they can have a light supper before we send them home. And we need volunteers. Um, the school, the teachers, the administration were beyond thrilled that we even thought about it. Um, they desperately need us. Mm -hmm. And this is one way that you can serve is by helping with kids um, who need mentors. And a lot of these kids, if they don't get it now in middle school, they'll never make it to high school. This is the critical age. And if you can't help there and you don't like kids, you can do, you can bring <laughs> you like food. Kids. You can, right. I mean, there's lots of other things that you can do yeah. for this community. Yes. Thank you, Teresa. Give her a hand. You see what I'm talking about? This is becoming clear to you. You see, these aren't things that we're even pushing. These are things that were on this woman's heart and others, and they begin to come together, and plans begin to happen, and, and then people end up getting loved, and a city ends up getting reached because of it, because we are all priests. We're a kingdom of priests. So I ask you, just like God asked Moses, when Moses is like, how am I supposed to go, do, go and do this great thing? He says, Moses, what's in your hand? A staff. Exactly. And that staff is going to turn out to be the thing that delivers your people. So what's in your hand? What gifts do you have? What passions do you have? What availability do you have? I believe the Lord would say yes and amen to those things. Now, what are we all going to do together? We're a kingdom of priests, and we can minister to him and to our entire city. We are 
the whole church. And together we take the whole gospel to the whole city. And that's what we're about here at Christ Center. Amen? Let's stand together. Prayer servant team is going to be up here. Uh, on, well, yeah, for available for any kind of prayer that you need whatsoever. Uh, and so I invite you forward. And uh, Lord, we thank you for your beautiful giftings and callings that you have on everybody. Lord, we thank you so much for the privilege of being priests in your kingdom. Lord, we ask that you would uh, uh, inspire us to go and do your work. Inspire us, Lord, to worship individually and corporately. Lord, inspire us to give within this body and outside the walls. Lord, I pray that you would give us your heart for your city. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. Amen and amen. Thanks for being here, guys. We'll see you next